Thanks, Justin. It's good to be back. Um, we have, uh, for those of you that weren't here when I was here the last time, our church many years ago used to meet right in this room. And when my wife and I um, first visited the church, it was right here in September. It was actually the second summer of second Sunday of September in 1985. So that was uh, 31 years ago. We we walked in. Uh, to a church meeting like this, so it's just really uh, special to be back here. Our son went to middle school here as well, so it's just a, it's a great place to be. Um, back in July, I had the opportunity to dra- travel across the United States by, uh, well, actually, I drove a Penske truck, one of those 24-foot trucks, but we, were, we caravaned a good friend of mine, moved to Oregon, and so my son and I and uh, my friend and his wife and her sister, we drove, uh, left on a Saturday morning, the uh, second weekend in July, and took four days to drive all the way to Oregon. And uh, that had been on my bucket list, so when I got the opportunity to serve him, I'm like, I would love, before I die, to, to travel across the country. And so I, I have some news for you. You know, from here through West Virginia... It's pretty, pretty breathtaking driving across the Shenandoah and the Appalachians and everything. But once you go down the mountain and get to Ohio, it's blah. <laughs> it's blah in Ohio. It's blah in Indiana, um, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska. Yeah, not so much. Corn, cornfields, beautiful, and uh, amber waves of grain and... And, uh, and some amazing stretches where you're driving along and you're, you're running uh, along, driving uh, in parallel with the train tracks for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> uh, you can go hours, speaking of hours, you can go for hours and not have any cell phone service in vast stretches of the United States. And you go by all these houses that don't have any telephone poles and you realize, man, these people are li- literally living off the grid. But when you get to Cheyenne, Wyoming, at least that's where it hit me, um, all of a sudden from there all the way to Oregon, and we drove all the way to San, down through California to San Diego, there are some amazing vistas um, in our country. And so if you want to skip the middle part, just fly to Cheyenne, Cheyenne and rent a car. Uh, that's what I want to do with my wife Jennifer is here this morning uh, someday. Uh, there are some amazing heights and vistas in this great country that we live in. Um, and there are some amazing heights and sweet spots in, in your Bible that God has preserved for your comfort, for your encouragement, for the strengthening of your faith. And most importantly, as we've already said, heard, I've heard said here this morning a couple of times, to help us to know and to enjoy and to glorify God on our, on our journey to heaven. Now, every word in this Bible is inspired and is profitable for our instruction and for our correction and for helping us to know how to know and enjoy, enjoy and glorify God. But there are passages in the Bible, and sometimes even words in our Bible, that are, are, are more special in terms of how they can give life and help to our souls. And that's the, uh, the passage that we're, we're coming um, to here this morning. 
But what a blessing. Let's just stop this morning and think about all the persecution that's going on in the world this morning. And yet for us, we've all come here, had a cup of coffee maybe in the lobby or stopped at Starbucks on your way. And nobody in this room had any thoughts of fear or being arrested or uh, wondering what's going to happen or who's looking in the windows and seeing us here this morning. And we live in a great country and we have to give thanks to God that uh, we can draw together as God's chosen holy community and, and listen to preaching. And let me just, uh, as Justin gets ready to, to get back into preaching, don't uh, minimize the importance of, of, of preaching. This is this unique little 45 to an hour, sometimes he goes long, I, I'm told. Um, there's this amazing, unique interaction that God has designed that uh, pastors would open up their Bibles and people would open up their hearts and minds and listen. And it's not so much who's preaching, but it's who's here this morning, the third person of the Trinity who wants to attend to the preaching of this word as Justin prayed so that you would be encouraged and edified. And if I could uh, bring a request to you, it wasn't, it wasn't in my notes, but pray for Justin and the other folks that preach regularly here. And pray for yourself as you are driving to church on the Sunday. Lord, help me to be transformed through uh, the worship times, the singing times, but also and especially through the preaching time. So we get this opportunity this morning to, from our busy weeks, to stop for a few moments this morning, to slow down and to fix our eyes on Jesus. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would attend to it. We pray that Jesus would be glorified through my preaching, but also through these wonderful people for whom you died, so that they might know you more, they might know you better, and go into their uh, this next week uh, with fresh faith to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. I... Um, Oftentimes come home, my wife doesn't like this when I do this. She just, uh, I'll come in and say, hey guys, I have six children, big family. I got some good news and some bad news. What do you want first? And uh, Jennifer always says, just get on with it. Give us, give us the news. But with our passage this morning, the order is kind of important. We have to get to the bad news first. And the bad news is this, that, that God is holy and we are not, and that's a big problem. I'll just say that again. God is holy, and we're not, and that's a big problem. The holiness of God is a problem. It's not a problem for God, it's a problem for us. And I spent the first 21 years of my life thinking that I was a pretty good person. I'd never killed anyone. I was a pretty hard worker. I kept uh, two jobs when I was in high school. When I was in college, I was delivering newspapers and um, staying really busy, trying to work my way through George Mason universities, and I generally tried to stay out of trouble. But my neighbor, um, 40 years ago, in the summer of 1976, about around this time, my neighbor, Edie Collins, she came up to me and she said, David, you're a heathen. And I'm like, really? And she said, you know, God's holy, you're a sinner. You're a heathen. 
She was a really sweet lady from, from, um, from you, you, had to, yeah, you had to take it in stride with her. She was from New York, and she had this heavy New York accent, and she would just call me a heathen all the time. But that news and that bad news worked on my soul through the summer of 1976. And the realization that I was a sinner. And then as I began to think about the fact, man, am I really a heathen? That I failed to keep God's commandments? I realized, yeah, that's right. I have stolen an awful lot of stuff. And I lied to my parents thousands of times. And I daily took God's name in vain and broke all the, the commandments regularly. I realized that I hadn't kept the great commandment to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This bad news that this kind, uh, loving lady named Edie Collins shared with me was actually the, the, the helpful bad news that brought me to the good news. That if God is holy and I'm a heathen, then that was really, really bad news because I realized I'm not holy and I'm separated from God. And if we understand, as I began through the summer of 76, to realize that God couldn't have anything to do with me because, in fact, I was full of sin. And the lie that I believe that I'm okay with God, I haven't really done too, too bad and Hopefully God will grade on a curve. I had really bought into that lie. And that's the lie that's in the culture today that we live in. You know, I'm not such a bad person. People that you go to school with, the people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, they're just like me. They feel like I'm not such a bad person. But not only was I far away from God, as that began to sink into my heart and to my soul, but I realized... Edie Collins, she has something I don't have. She has a relationship with Jesus. She talks about Jesus like Jesus is her friend. And I've forgotten a lot over my 60 plus years. But one thing I distinctly remember is in October of 1976 when it began to really hit me that I, if indeed I was really separated from God because I was a heathen and I was a sinner, I... I I wanted to have a relationship with God, and something happened. And I think especially Edie and my mother and other Christian friends were praying for me. And I remember in a Chevette on a Friday night praying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. That's the bad news. And I want to talk about the good news this morning. Started out with the bad news, we'll get to the good news. The Holy Spirit wants to take us to a scenic overview, to a vista that can really thrill and transform your life if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning. And you can benefit what I've called the title of my message this morning, The Great Transfer, This Great News. If you want to open up your phones to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. To the last verse, or open up for those, the few of you that do have a Bible this morning, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll read this last verse in this amazing panorama in our Bibles. These few words that have life for each one of us in this room this morning. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And if I can say it this way, the problem of God's holiness was solved by God through an unthinkable transfer between God the Father and God the Son. Let me say it again. The problem of God's holiness that we have was solved by God, not through anything that we've done, was solved by God through an unthinkable and amazing transfer between the Father and the Son. Here in our passage, it says Paul says, Jesus knew no sin. He who knew no sin. The Holy Son of God, eternal in the heavens, always existing. Jesus was all, was all, He always was. It's hard to get our minds about around that. The God who dwells in unapproachable light, who's transcendent. It means like the stars don't even begin to describe how big and how far and wide is our God, the omnipotent one, all-powerful one, the omniscient one, the all-knowing God, our majestic God, our righteous God. But for our discussion this morning, purity personified in the person and work of Jesus Christ, purity personified came to earth as the Son of Man, And he knew no sin. He was spotless. He was truly, truly pure. He was holy, holy, holy. Gloriously sinless. Untainted by sin. And he, unlike you and me, for his entire existence here on earth, was untainted and unblemished by sin. Jesus, the Son of God, eternal in the heavens, came to earth and continued to be who He was. Holy and perfect. The writer of Hebrews says He was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. It means He wasn't even remotely familiar with what it means to transgress the commandments. He knew no sin. There was no flaw in Jesus. We understand that about His divinity. And I tend to think about Jesus when I hear His glorious name. I tend to default to His divinity. But we want to think about this morning and just slow down and think about His humanity. Jesus is a man like you and me. He was tempted as a man In every way, yet he knew, Paul says, he knew no sin. For 33 years, Jesus completely and faithfully kept all of the Ten Commandments, all of God's law, and loved his Father with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And amazingly, he loved his neighbor perfectly, completely. Jesus knew No sin. Unfamiliar. And then Paul says, he he made him to be sin. 
Jesus became sin. And you have to ask yourself the question, why? Well, it's this problem that we all have with God's holiness, that God made him to be sin. And let's just stop and think for a second, because this will wreck your heart and mind. And we can raise the roof this morning when we sing later on. Who made him to be sin? God did. Paul doesn't say, you did. It says, he made him to be sin. The Father sent the Son to become sin. Our holy God sent his holy Son on this rescue mission to be sin. And in this middle of this amazing book, in 2 Corinthians, Paul just sort of stops and drops this scenic overpass for us. The sinless Son of God comes to earth as the Son of Man. And it says the reason why he came was so that God could make him to be sin. The Apostle Peter says it in this way. Christ suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. He himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree. The Apostle John says, a big Bible word, propitiation, he is the propitiation for our sins. This gets at the heart of Christ's amazing rescue mission to solve the problem for us of God's holiness. Where Jesus propitiated God's wrath. He took God's wrath that we deserved. And he took our sins away from us so that we could experience this amazing transfer. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth, says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Apostle Paul says, He became sin for us. The Father sent the Son to become sin. And that's because of another big Bible word called atonement. Sin must be atoned for in order for a right relationship with God to be restored. If you want to have, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're studying Christianity and you'd like to have an amazing relationship and be able to sing with the other people in this room about uh, Jesus Christ and to just worship Him and to know Him, you have to have your sins atoned for. Something has to Something has to happen to these sins so that you can have a relationship with a holy God. But back to our text, right? The first words of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul starts out at this amazing vista. He says, for our sake. We were singing just a few minutes ago how deep the Father's Love, that speaks to this for our sake. 
For God so loved the world that he made Jesus to be our sin bearer. For his chosen and elect ones, Jesus gave up his relationship with the Father to become sin. He was separated from God so that you could be united uh, and back into a right relationship with the God who, for your sake, uh, who loves you so much, allowed His Son, sent His Son to become sin for you. And if you're here this morning and you struggle with the love of God, take this these few words in 2 Corinthians 5.21 and tuck them away. Write them in the back of your Bible to get your notes out on your phone or in your iPad and write them out and chew on them this week and let them sink into your soul if you ever struggle or have passing doubts about the love of God for you because herein is the love of God. He who knew no sin, He became sin for you. These ten words, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin for your sake, for your sake, for my sake, for your sake. This is another big Bible word that we could talk about for the... For all of 2017, it's this big Bible word called justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. And justification points not only to the fact that Christ became sin for you, but it also means that Christ's holy and righteous 33 years on your earth becomes, become yours when you take advantage of uh, this amazing free gift of salvation. On this earth, Jesus as a man continued to be who he was, holy. Though he took on flesh and blood and became a man, he continued as he was. And that's essential for this great salvation that we sing about and enjoy and know. And so that we can have a right relationship with our holy God. Jesus, always spotless, always obedient to the Father, delivered up as an atoning sacrifice. He became sin for you and for you and for you and for you. And He knows you by name. And He did it for you. There was no other way for God to solve the problem of His holiness and our sinfulness. And there's nothing that you can do to get into a right relationship you know, with God. I love one of my favorite verses is in Paul's letter to Titus. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And it's certainly appropriate on Labor Day weekend, to think about the fact that Paul wrote to, uh, to Titus, to that, those first Christians there, and said, look, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his great love, for your sake, 
he made him to be sin. God solves the problem of his holiness in this amazing great transfer of our sins to Jesus' count. He became sin by taking your sins to a cruel cross, becoming sin for your sake. What a deal. I got a text from uh, one of my boys yesterday, after, yesterday afternoon. He said, there's this great deal at Costco, winter coats for $30. Do you know anybody that needs a really good winter coat? You know, we can go into our week and we can first and foremost, when you wake up tomorrow morning, there is a great deal. There is an amazing blessing available to you, but there's no cost to you, to you. There was great cost to our Savior, Jesus Christ, but there's no cost to you. There's an amazing transaction. There's an amazing deal that comes to you only by trusting in Christ. By trusting in His atonement for our sins. By trusting in this reality that for you, He became sin. It really is awesome. My wife and I were missionaries in, in Israel for, for, uh, for five years, and we lived two years in Lebanon. And every year on the Day of Atonement, all of Israel, it's the only day that this happens, everything stops. They uh, play the, uh, they, uh, they sound at, the, at sundown, the beginning of the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur, the sirens sound. And then even secular Jews and Arabs as well, for the most part, respect it. And everything kind of shuts down for a full 24 hours. And everybody stops in Israel. Everything grinds to a halt. And other than going to the uh, synagogue where they'll walk to the nearby synagogue, people just pretty much stay at home for that day. The roads are amazingly empty of traffic and everything kind of goes quiet and though uh, most folks there don't understand or appreciate atonement for us it should stop us in our tracks and cause us even this morning to stop and think about the fact that for your sake Jesus Christ he became sin so that your sins could be atoned for and you could Uh, take advantage of this amazing uh, transaction that God uh, so loves you that He would part with His Son and allow Him to become sin. This last phrase in our verse, Paul says to the Corinthian church and fast-forwarding today, it says, in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In Him, we might become the righteousness of God. Christ not only takes our sin and puts it into His account, and all that accompanies uh, our sin, the guilt and the separation from God, and the condemnation that we deserved, but He gives us His righteousness. Or amazingly, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says to us, we become the righteousness of God. I used to think this was sort of a sanctification verse, kind of like, okay, I need to 
become increasingly a better Christian and grow as a Christian, kind of discipleship and move along in my, my walk with the Lord. But I, at some point in time, studied this and realized, no, this is a justification. This means that when you become a Christian, when you uh, first are united with Christ in His life, death, and resurrection, you become righteous in God's eyes. We become the righteousness of God. It's a big thought, you know, to think about the fact that we have in this transaction, we give Christ our sin by trusting that he died our death for our sins and we become the righteousness of God. And Christ gives us his righteousness when we look to Jesus with faith. We share in Jesus's holy, perfect life here on earth. Jerry Bridges, uh, who recently, uh, if you've ever read any of his books, recently went home with the Lord. He says, God counts us righteous because he's appointed Christ to be our representative and our substitute. Therefore, when Christ lived a perfect life in God's sight, we lived a perfect life. I just want to say that again. When Christ lived a perfect life, in God's sight, we lived a perfect life. When Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins, we died on the cross. All that Christ did in His sinless life, in His sin-bearing death, He did is our representative so that we receive credit for it. Wow. We get the credit and he gets the blame that we deserved. This is the great transfer, the problem of holiness solved. And if you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in Christ again, you can take advantage of this great plan of salvation that God has designed for you so that you can read this verse and say, for my sake, He who knew no sin, he became sin. And you can receive access into all that God has graciously stored up for you. And so that ultimately you can get into this amazing right relationship with God and enjoy him and know him and forsake all the empty cisterns that Daniel talked about early because they never deliver as promised. You know, Satan is out and alive and well today, wooing not only you and me, but this world around us into thinking that somehow money or sex or pleasure will, will, give, will make you happy, but nothing will truly satisfy but the living water that Jesus has for you, that you can come and receive at no cost at all. All that's available in the person and work of Christ is it's this free gift of salvation when we trust that our sin goes to Christ and His righteousness comes to you. Paul goes so far as to say that we become the righteousness of God. When you woke up this morning, did you think, hey, I'm righteous this morning? I didn't. I'm sitting preparing and reading my notes and praying about my time and all of a sudden the dog starts barking and just 
scaring the daylights out of me, and I'm like angry at the dog. You know, I want to kick the dog. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't kick the dog. I have kicked the dog, but I didn't kick the dog. <laughs> dog. Preparing. Sermon, dog. <laughs> no, I'm not righteous. And I mean, that's just a window, you know, into Dave's world. But the reality is, my, my sinful anger towards the dog this morning doesn't change my status with God one little bit. When I put my faith in Christ in October of 1976, 40 years ago, that's a, a sealed deal. The transaction was complete. I was justified and declared righteous through what Christ did for me in this amazing transfer. Christ's substitutionary sacrifice for you and me makes it possible for us to know, to love, and enjoy God in this life and forever. So what? You know, what are the implications of this, these few words in our Bible? Well, being an old guy with a room full of mostly young people here this morning, you know, when you get to be my age, you start thinking about the fact that I'm closer to the end than the beginning. And heaven is looking, it is closer for me, and it's really exciting about the fact that I know that I know, that I know, that I'm going to heaven. When I was uh, in the spring of 1977, I took a, uh, a poetry class. I was an English major at George Mason University, though I don't speak too good. <laughs> and in the poetry class, Dr. Kelly, he's now retired, we were going through a, 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 a bunch of poems that were all about death, ode to death, and death this, and no death, death, death. It was all about death. And I was this brand new Christian. I said, Dr. Kelly, Dr. Kelly. Oh, he said, he said, I forgot the bad on remembering this story. He said in the class, you know, I know we're all afraid to die. And man, my hand went up. I said, Dr. Kelly, my sins have been washed by Jesus, and I'm not afraid to die. I'm going to heaven. Well, that's nice, Hinders. Um, but anyhow, back to our death poetry. <laughs> but it really is a great comfort to know because, God forbid, you know, none of us knows whether we'll be back here again next Sunday. Um, I hope you all are back next Sunday, and I hope more come in here. But uh, our names are written in the, in the book. And so on that day when we die, we can be confident that we'll be able no longer to have to walk by faith. We'll be able to see the Lord face to faith. What a great salvation for your sake. Uh, Christ has purchased for you uh, eternity. And you have 24 access to His throne of grace. No matter how your week went, if you come here this morning and you had a rough week, and you sinned frequently. On Christ the solid rock you stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. You're secure. Not based on your performance, but based on Christ's performance. Or maybe you come in here this morning, and you've had a good week, and you read your Bible for an hour and a half every day, and you witnessed and evangelized, 
and shared the gospel with your coworkers or fellow students. And you come in here this morning throwing, uh, feeling pretty good about how you're doing in the Christian life. You know what? Throw it away. Because in order for you to come to God, you have to come to God based on not your righteousness, no matter how well you've done, but how wonderful Christ, uh, what great work Christ did for you on the cross. And this is the amazing salvation that we have. It's, it's uh, a once and for all work that Christ did for you. Other implications this morning. You're forgiven. I like to think, when I think about what Christ did in justification, let's pretend this morning that this is a prison and as you deserve, you're declared guilty for your sins. But when we walk out of Frost Middle School this morning, we're the justified ones. We're the ones who've been declared righteous because of this great, great, great transfer. And we have, can go out of here free today. And if any of you are here this morning thinking, yeah, but Dave, you don't know what I did this week or what I did 10 years ago. Christ, who knew no sin, He became sin for all your past, your present sins like mine this morning, the kick the dog, but the sins that you're going to commit uh, this week, you can go out free from all guilt, declared righteous. And it, it's this good news that empowers us um, to live for God and enjoy Him and glorify Him. It's such a, it's such a temptation in the Christian life, especially if you've as you walk with the Lord longer and longer, to want to rest and trust in how you're doing. But not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy and according to His love and according to His plan of salvation, He saved you and transferred your sin to Christ and transferred Christ's righteousness to you. If you lack peace this morning, if you worry about terrorism or hurricanes or maybe some difficult circumstances that are currently in your life, right now, look to Jesus so that you can have peace with God and peace about your future because your future really is bright if Christ is in it. He didn't spare His own Son for you. Romans 8.32 if, he didn't, if God didn't spare His own son, son for you, how will He not also graciously give you all things? That's on the divine level and on the human level. If there's anybody in this room or anybody outside this room that you're not at peace with, if, you, if your gap between you and your holy God can be bridge through the person and work of Christ, then the most difficult relationship that you can possibly think of, that you can have peace about that person. That's why Jesus says, and you guys are in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he says the hardest verse in the whole Bible 
love your enemies. How in the world is it possible for you to love even an enemy? Or how in the world is it possible to love my mother-in-law or my science project, you know, a person that never does their work. You can love the most difficult person that God has brought into your life. He who knew no sin, He became sin for you, for your sake, so that in Him you might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much this morning for for Edie Collins and for each one of us here in this room who have have an Edie in their life who brought the good news to us. Thank you for the bad news that helps us to appreciate and to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all His benefits, who forgives all of our sins through the person of Jesus Christ, who became sin for us. Thank You, Father, for this great salvation. I thank You for this amazing church. Pray Your blessing as they begin the fall and go into this uh, next week that each person here this morning would rejoice in the fact that they have been declared righteous through Christ once and for all. Amazing transfer of our sins to Him and His righteousness to us. In Jesus' name, Amen.